Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's like really quiet here. I can't quite figure out why. I think we're missing someone. It's Peter. Where is Peter? A lot of people around the league have been asking, what's going on over there in Peter's world? Where is Peter? Something very interesting happened. Royce O'Neal. <laughs> Irish? Yes. Irish last name. <laughs> Peter goes off to Ireland. Coincidence? What's going on over there? What is his next move? People around the league want to know where that sultry voice with maybe a little bit of phlegm from his uh, recovery from COVID where is it right now? Where is it going? Could he be interviewing for another podcast job? Who's interested in Peter? Everyone is looking at Peter's flight data. Where is he going? Eight to shoot. Paul, the runner. Loose ball. It's good. With 4.4 to go. Shannon. Don't want to fall. Shannon from the corner. It's over. Gonzaga. The slipper still fits. The cry goes up both far and near for underdog, underdog, underdog. Joe Namath, number 12, has been the one big sideline. He's come down here and he says the Jets are going to win. In fact, he doesn't even predict it. He says, I guarantee a Jet victory. Oh my goodness, I ain't even in the guys' league. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. Underdog, Underdog. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better. Oh my goodness! The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby! Rick Strike in a stunning, unbelievable upset! Shock and awe in college basketball! Underdog! Underdog. I expect you boys to go out there and not take this team lightly because I promise you, they're going to come at you with everything they've got. Boys that have gone the distance with Creed. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! By George, the dream is alive. With speed of lightning, roar of thunder, fighting all who rock. I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. Welcome to the Underdogs Podcast. The NBA season is here. Peter is gone. Which means, you know what? Maybe the IQ on this analysis here, the NBA preview... Does it nudge up a little further up, Jordan? Not if I'm a part of it. I mean, let's be real. (laughs) That's true. We've got an NBA preview here. We're going to talk about over-unders. We're going to talk MVP, title, underdogs. we got some special props that we're going to be looking at. We're going to talk about Victor Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson, how that impacts everything. And let's just skip the picks this week, the NFL underdog picks. Let's just move on. We don't need to talk about how poorly I did last week. And we don't need to talk about how well you did. We don't need that. I think the world absolutely needs to hear that I've moved into first place. 
behind the New York Giants. We're going to the NBA. You can at least celebrate That's that, it. right, Tom? Enough. Four and one. Enough, Jordan Brenner. Enough out of you. Maybe we'll talk about it later, but we're going to have to get right into the NBA stuff here. You and I, we've been covering the NBA for quite a while. I think at one point, Peter Keating on this show has talked about, you know, talking about the Utah jazz, but I think it was him who ranked the Memphis Grizzlies as the best franchise in sports at one point. Wasn't that Peter? Sounds like a Peter franchise ranking type of thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies were the number one franchise in all of sports, according to his proprietary rankings. I'm curious if he would pick them to win the title this year, but he is not here. He is somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean and he is off this week. Very strategic. I like the getting the COVID before you go on vacation. Quite the underdog move by Peter. I like it. I like it. Speaking of underdogs, Tom. As we kick off our NBA talk, that is the theme of our show. We, we talk about why unlikely things happen. And I always come back to the NBA is a, is a place where many things happen, but unlikely is not one of them. Do you think we're entering any kind of an era where that may change a bit? Or is it still more than the other sports, the way you see things going or the way they probably will be? How do you feel going into the season? I feel like the uncertainty going into this season is sky high because of the fact that you have some drama in the defending champion Golden State Warriors. They did not suspend Draymond Green, so maybe that settles things from an on-court perspective a little bit more than, say, what do the Warriors look like when they have 10 games without Draymond Green off right off the bat? They still might lose Draymond Green due to injury for 10 games, but that variable is off the table. So there's a little bit of certainty there, but you have two absolute dynamite franchise altering studs in Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama coming down the pipe. What does that do for the strategies of the rest of the league? And also you have Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Zion, Ben Simmons, all coming back from at least a year away from the sport. So you have, on one hand, a lot of tanking. On the other, a lot of injury question marks. What are we going to get from Kawhi and those guys? They're back, but are they really back? How many games are they going to play? And I think the tanking plus the injuries that we have normally in any season, plus the the injuries of or the uncertainty of those guys coming back. Jordan, I think that there is going to be some very surprising things to happen, especially at the top this season. Certainly by previous standards, I agree with you. I think there are eight to 10 teams. You could make a compelling case of having a, a realistic chance at winning a championship, which is not typical of the NBA. It's still not a sport where you're going to see a team projected for 30 or 35 wins suddenly win 60 and and go and go on to a, a crazy championship run. There's no there's no Tampa Bay Rays. There's no you know unheralded NFL team in, in the NBA. But I'm with you. I, I I could really make a case for any number of teams to win a title, and that's exciting. It is, and I think we'll we'll talk about Victor Wembanyama and the race to the bottom this year. But I think when we're looking at the top. One name that I have circled is Bradley Beal Mm. because yes, he has a no trade clause and because of the way the NBA works is like 
he's gonna he's not gonna be eligible right away for a trade. He has to sign off for any trade um, that they put on the table. But could you see the Warriors, you know, making a trade for Bradley Beal or the 76ers making a trade for Bradley Beal or anyone or Damian Lillard? These teams that are in the middle, like the Portland Trailblazers, the Washington Wizards, the Charlotte Hornets, um, the Sacramento Kings. We'll talk about them in a bit. I think there's a real chance that one of these contenders are going to arm up with players that are being moved to race to the bottom, whether it's Damian Lillard, whether it's Pascal Siakam, whether it's Bradley Beal. I think there is a real opportunity here for one of those contenders to take advantage of this Wembenyama sweepstakes and pick off one of these franchise, you know, championship altering players like those names I just said. Yep. No, I agree with you. The underdog angle to this NBA season is is zigging when everyone else is zagging, right? If teams are looking to unload players to be worse, then there are opportunities for teams to get better and maybe not the teams you'd always expect or maybe not the teams that you look at as first-tier championship contenders. There may be a window for some teams in the middle who think that one or two players might give them a real shot to make moves they ordinarily wouldn't be able to because the the assets required to get these guys might not be as high if they're just looking to dump them, right? If they're not looking for immediate returns anyway and they might not have the value to, to give someone up uh, in what would be considered a normal, you know, full price trade. I, I think it could be a really, really interesting deadline. And it's why I've got my eye on a couple of, uh, of values for the championship Ooh, beyond the usual suspects. Okay. Because we've already seen a couple teams swing for, for the fences, the Minnesota Timberwolves trading for Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. you know, the Kings, Got Sabonis. That's not a championship contender move, but you see the Atlanta Hawks going for DeJounte Murray. Um, There are some teams that are really swinging for the fences here. And um, I think that does mean that we're going to get some teams that were kind of in the middle trying to get into that contender conversation. Atlanta, I think, is in there. Minnesota, I think, is in there. And then Denver didn't really swing for a huge trade, but made some nice pickups. So, Jordan, let's just start off right off the bat. We have a bunch of title contenders here um, from DraftKings. Uh, the odds on the title content, uh, the I- odds on the title uh, for 2023, we have the Clippers at plus 550, Golden State at plus 600, Boston 600, Brooklyn 700, Milwaukee 800, Phoenix 1200, Philly 1500, Lakers 1800, and then 2000 plus 2000 or longer. We got Miami, Dallas, Memphis, Cleveland, Pelicans, Timberwolves, Raptors, Hawks, and Chicago, and then the rest of the league. So, and the rest of the league. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Jordan, and I'm saying, feel like you're going to go for Zion here. I feel like you're going for the Pelicans. I've been talking about that since, since May. I put a, I bet a future on them. I think before last season even ended. Have you put more money on them? Well, the odds have lowered. So I, th- I definitely put some money on them at they were like plus 5,000 or plus 6,000, which I thought was incredible value. Wow. Here's the thing about the Pelicans. Not only were they impressive against Phoenix without Zion, obviously. Not only did the C.J. McCollum move really fit in well, not only do they have the best player in the NBA in Herb Jones. <laughs> yes. And the more I think about it and the more you talk about what teams are doing, there is potential for more because they still have all these draft pick assets from from uh, 
the AD trade. They have a, a bunch of young players who may be coveted by other teams. So you mentioned a Beal, you mentioned a Lillard, you mentioned other pieces that may become available during the season. I think the team as constructed with a CJ, with a starting lineup uh, of, that includes CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, Herb Jones is good enough as is to be a, a top five team in the West. But what if they add one more piece? Is that, are they that far away? If Zion's playing well, is that crazy to think that they could take another leap? I, I love them at where I got them. And at plus 3,500, I think it's a, a great pick. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's, I have a, we're going to talk about our three locks over unders and the Pelicans are a lock for my over right now. Um, and for a title contention standpoint, I think you got a really strong case in the new Orleans Pelicans and they've already made it tough on the Phoenix suns that won 64 games last year. So they're right there on the cusp of being a contender. And they also have some big contracts here with, uh, with the Jonas Valanciunas. They at, at 14.7, do they, move Brandon Ingram. I don't think so. Or CJ McCollum. I don't think so, but they can put Devonte Graham, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, into a deal to try to swing and make, you know, make a big play here at the deadline. Will, will it be something like a Dame Lillard or Bradley Beal? I, I don't know. Pascal Siakam's another name I'm looking at. I don't know if it's going to be quite that big, but they have the picks, the stash picks from from the Lakers and from the Bucks to to really sweeten the pot for some of these teams that want to offload some big names and start tanking to the bottom. That's a great pick. Um, is that your only long shot here, or do you have some another team that you're really liking? I've got one other in that range, but it doesn't sound like you think they're going to be going in the direction that I think, and that's the Raptors. I never put it past them to contend. Masai Ujiri is a wizard. Nick Nurse can coach. He's a raptor. He's a raptor, not a wizard. If Scott, jeez, if Scotty Barnes continues to develop as we think, right? There's so much versatility in that team. That's another another franchise that I could think. You know what? One more player, a shooter, a five who can who can run the floor, block shots. Yep. You know, I could see them entering the picture because just and, and, and Messiah has shown that he's never afraid to to go for it when he sees a window. So it it really to me is about how much progress they make early in the season to sort of justify a big move. But I think the talent is there. I, I don't disagree with you that if that if they sort of fall back in a in a crowded East, that they could go the other way. I don't think they'll be bad enough to really race to the bottom. But sure, I could see them sort of playing for a longer window at a later time, but I'm intrigued by the versatility, the switchability of this roster. And again, I would watch what teams are looking to sell because they could be an interesting buyer. I'm with you on this. I, they're over under this season, I think is at like what? 45 and a half. Do I have that right? I have it right here. Cause I may or may not be planning to take that as one of my, my over unders. I have the Raptors at 45 and a half. Yeah. So when you look at this team, I feel like they're, they got the extremes, right? You have the, the 45 and a half suggests that they're going to be like a middle of the road team. But I kind of feel like just like you think this could be a juggernaut team by the end of the season, because they have already a championship uh, pedigree with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet and Nick nurse, Masai Ujiri. And they've got so many young switchable players that um, if you put another star next to them, 
it, it just fe- feels like that fit is seamless because they have so many versatile players there. And Bo Cruz, by the way. Yeah, Bo, Bo Cruz also. I mean, are we allowed to still call him Bo Cruz? Is that is that fair? We can still do that even on the court? I mean, everything everything's fair in Toronto, I feel like. Everything's fair. That's right. Yeah. So I, I like that pick um, as well. Um, my, my long shot though, I've got the Denver nuggets here and we've already talked about them. They're at plus 1800 here, not quite, you know, the same caliber as Toronto and new Orleans, but I feel like when they get, uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. And they've got some really, really nice, um, up and coming players. Zeke Naji is another one that I really like coming in uh, and hopefully stealing away DeAndre Jordan's minutes. <laughs> I think the the Denver Nuggets are a sleeper team to win it all simply because I think people are focusing too much on the defensive liabilities of Nikola Jokic and not focusing on the fact that they're just going to blow teams out offensively. I think they're going to, um, with Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Jamal Murray offensive arsenal, uh, Nikola has done before you've seen him beating teams that he has no business of beating in the playoffs. That's exactly right. He's been that kind of player and everyone's a year older. There's a lot of value there at plus 1800. I thought about them on the over Jordan, but I'm a little worried about this hamstring injury that you're seeing from Jamal Murray. And so I kind of feel like they're going to take a very conservative approach for the very reason that they want him ready for the playoffs. Um, take a little off right now because we need you for April. Uh, so I like the value more from a title perspective. And the other one I like, man, Brian Winhurst coming in. In the intro, we did our best impersonation there of of Brian Winhurst, but he just dropped a piece for ESPN.com about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Plus 3,500. It is juicy. I am just saying, when you have Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, the offensive side is going to be taken care of. They add maybe the, the best defensive big man in the NBA in Rudy Gobert, who's gotten, I think, unfairly characterized as a guy who can't play big in the playoffs. Um, Chris Finch is a very innovative head coach. I see this as a value play. I'm not picking them to win the title, but I think all of that talent and Brian, you go read Brian's piece. It's really, really, I mean, compelling from their perspective, the new uh, president of basketball operations and Tim Connolly. I think he is going to continue to try to make deals here. They have a couple of young players they could flip and maybe get another veteran player. They don't have a Patrick Beverly. They moved him as well. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves at plus three, 3,500. I think there's a little bit of value here. I don't think they're going to win at all, but there's a lot of talent there in Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards to actually make a run in the postseason. Let's start at the team you talked about first. I hate agreeing with you this much. It's almost like when Peter goes away, you know, we're all in sync. But the uh, Denver pick, it's hard to argue with, especially because we know that their metrics when Jokic is on the court, regardless of who else is on the court, is phenomenal. And now they've clearly upgraded if Porter and, and Murray are healthy. Uh, I'm with you that I think they're a team that could be poised in the right circumstances to make one more sort of finishing type of move. Um, I think Bones Highland is going to be a really key uh, developmental piece. I'm not, cause I'm not sure about KCP on the wing long-term. Uh, they're not as deep as I'd like, 
The Bruce Brown edition was good, but I think they need another another sort of versatile, mid-sized, switchable defensive player would help them. But I think that, again, if they're willing to spend, if they're willing to make some moves, that'll be available at the deadline. Uh, so they are a legit title contender, no question. 100%. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Maybe you think the Celtics aren't so great. Maybe you think minus 200 is not a fair price for them to win the East. Maybe you're looking at an underdog in the West, like Dallas or Minnesota. Either way, hop on the DK Sportsbook app. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LAF. That's code LAF for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This gets me to my next point, which is there's going to be a 70-win team this year. There's going to be a 70-win team. So you mentioned this last night. Take us through your theory because I have I have some thoughts on why you might be wrong. Okay. I want to let the listeners sort of hear your, your thought process first. So right now, I think it's the Boston Celtics have the highest over under at 53 and a half. And Kevin Pelton on the low post had a very astute point that he researched since 2006 teams that are at 50 wins or more in the over unders are something like 57% underperforming. Basically hit the over for your average Teams that have 50 wins or higher by Vegas in the over-unders, 57% go under. And I was like, ooh, that's not good if you want to hit the over on some of these teams. But then I look at the fact that over the last 10 seasons, there have been 15 teams that have gone 60 or more wins. 1.5 on average per season. And of course, we had the Golden State Warriors do 73 in 2016. They didn't win the title. We don't have to revisit that. But the point is, one of these teams, on average, and probably two, are going to have at least 60 wins. And I think this Wembenyana sweepstakes with Scoot Henderson is going to throw so many teams off kilter at halfway through the season. And it's not going to be just five teams. We've got the San Antonio Spurs, the Oklahoma city thunder, the Houston Rockets, the Utah jazz, and then Indiana. It seems like they're going to be in the tank as well this season. That's five teams. Most of them are in the Western conference. There's four teams of that five in the West, which means that the Western conference hierarchy, the ones at the top, the royalty teams, 
They're going to be playing at least 18 games in some cases against those bad, bad teams. If you get Portland to that mix, if Damian Lillard gets hurt and they decide to go into the tank again for a second straight season, the Pelicans have 21 games this year against the, the dive five, as I call them. Indiana, Houston, OKC, San Antonio, and Utah, the dive five, they have 18 games against those uh, 17 games against those teams. And then if you add Portland to that mix, and if you add Charlotte and Detroit and Washington, four teams that I think could go into the tank again, I'm, I'm not including Orlando, the Pelicans could have 21 games against those teams. The, the Clippers could have 20. The Grizzlies have 19. The Warriors have 19 games. These Western Conference teams are going to have so many games. Every other game is going to be potentially a win. So I think when you look at Golden State, when you look at Denver, when you look at Minnesota, Clippers, I don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi this year. I think these 60 win teams are going to fall ass backwards into potentially winning 70. So if I'm going to Vegas and I'm making a crazy underdog bet, a bet, a long shot bet, it's finding somewhere that will get me a bet on a team winning 70 games or more. Here's the thing. So I get it that these teams may be historically bad, but there are always bad teams, very bad teams. There is tanking when there is not a Wembenyama available. So yes. it's not like this is news that there are four or five teams in the Western Conference that are going to be bad. Are these guys a little worse? Maybe. But if you've got 21 games against them, what would you expect the Pelicans to do against a normal bad five? 14 and seven? So if they go, what, 18 and three this year? It, it's a marginal increase. But then I also think that the top eight or nine teams in the conference are so relatively even in some ways that they're just going to beat each other up. So that's why I, I, I love the theory that the race to the bottom is going to affect what happens at the top. I just don't think there's one or two teams that at least at this point look like they're that much better than teams five or six to be able to pull away and have like a historic individual season. Now, if you tell me that like the eight seed might win 46 or 47, like that's where it might be interesting, right? The, the, the number of wins it takes to make the playoffs might be higher than usual. That, that I can get behind. Is that fair? Is that reasonable? That's totally reasonable. I mean, we saw in, in the Eastern conference last year, like the Cleveland Cavaliers at 44 wins didn't even make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've already seen how stacked the East was last year. And there was the, the, the team that won the East last year was Miami heat at 53 and 29. They, you know, like that could happen. In the East, in the West, I think the Golden State Warriors, very, very likely that they smash that over and threaten to get 70 wins again. Is Are they going to go for the record? No. I think Steve Kerr and Draymond Green and Steph Curry do not want to mess with the record. Do I think that they are going to be so good because Stephen Curry is... is Already, if he's if he's in, in your lineup for 75 games, you're going to win 60 games. You're going to win 60 games with Stephen Curry, a full, healthy season. Draymond Green is potentially playing for his next contract this year and going to try to quiet the doubters about the he has a lot of uh, recovery to show that he is not only a team player, that he's going to earn back the trust, but also I deserve this money. I deserve the bag. I think Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, um, Clay Thompson is a little bit iffy right now, but they have enough pieces here. And Jordan Poole's ascension in the preseason, despite the, uh, the the punch from Draymond Green, 
I would hammer the over on the Warriors at 51 and a half. And if you can find, I think at DraftKings, you can do this at the highest ring of the over unders on them, hit the over. That Warriors team that won 73 games. What else happened that year? What else happened that year, Jordan? Oh, God. Here we go. You know, this all came full circle for me in one night in Oakland, but please tell everyone. The Philadelphia 76ers had their tank Arama trust the process year where they it was so bad that they had to bring in the Colangelos to fix it up at the end of the season and Sam Hankey resigned. That year was also the year that they won 11 games. They won 11 games. So the, one of the most tanky teams in NBA history coincided with a 73 win season. And by the way, the Spurs won 67 games. Remember, not all these teams can just lose in a vacuum. Someone has to win those games. And so I think some team in the Western conference is going to come out with 65, 70 wins. And I think it very well might be the golden state warriors. I always associate that warriors team with that Sixers team. Cause I was, I was in Oakland at the end of the season. Uh, I was working on, what was then going to be a book with Sean Livingston, which didn't actually come to be because nothing I do ever works out. But anyway, other than that, um, we I was there to see them try to win 70. And I was at the game they were playing the Spurs when the news broke of Sam Hinkie's resignation letter. Now, I also happened to be working on a story at the same time for ESPN about scouting with Sam Hinkie and sort of like the next phase of the process. We'd gone to tournament games together. Uh, I'd, we'd watched film together. I was seeing how the, how the, how this next iteration of Sam as a basketball guy was going to come out. And the next thing I know he'd resign. So I'll never forget looking around like <laughs> what the hell just happened with this story end up becoming a story on how he was, you know, forced to resign, I would say. Um, but I, yeah, I always think of those two teams together. It's funny you mentioned that, but we are, yeah. The, we should just go right into our over-unders because I think we're right on the same same teams. I had written the Warriors over 51 and a half, not only for all the reasons you mentioned, but the biggest thing, I think it's a bet on their depth and their young players because when they rest players, I, I believe so much in their player development system. So guys like Kaminga, Moody, James Wiseman, who looks really good in the preseason, and obviously Poole, they're going to have guys who can step in on given nights and up their roles, try to prove that they should be part of a playoff rotation, try to prove that they're keepers for this franchise, and they can still beat some of these lesser teams on a night where Steph rests, where Draymond is in la-la land, where Clay's, you know, maintenance on the knee. So I think that's something that makes them different from some of these other top teams. It's this young core of guys who hopefully for their sake, will be playing bigger roles as they go along and we'll look for those opportunities when they get them to really shine. Yeah. I, I think Golden State Warriors are a lock for over. I mean, when you talk to uh, recently talking to people around Stephen Curry, he's, he's in as good a shape and this is what we hear from everybody, but yeah. Steph Curry, <laughs> I too am in the best shape of my life this preseason, Tom. Yeah. What would your wife say about that? Yeah. Uh, she would laugh in my face. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when you so when you sit there and look at Stephen Curry, you say, "Man, I don't know. Is he going to be as sharp as he was last year when he was 33 and won the title and coming back this season?" But we've seen it time and time again with Steph that he comes back and has more to prove. And I think with this Draymond situation, the leader that he is, I think he's going to very, very much try to keep himself in shape and playing at a high level so that he can convince people that he is the goat. 
Like he is going to come out here and say, you guys think that me with my championships and me, the best shooter ever, which I think is a backhanded compliment. Um, I think we're going to see another huge year from Steph Curry. If he gets hurt, of course, fine. This is all, all for not, but I like the value there. Um, from a championship standpoint, from a 70 win standpoint, from the over standpoint, 51 right. and a half seems, I think Hollinger has them at 54 or something like that this year. Um, after he picked them for 39 wins last year, <laughs> maybe an overcorrection from John Hollinger, but you know what? I think he's spot on there. I think they're going to really exceed that over. I was going to say we should be careful with overs on the highest projected teams because Again, it feels like, oh, this team should win more than 52, and this team should win more than 52. And then if you look at it, only two teams won more than 53 games last year. In 2018-19, the last like full season that wasn't affected by COVID, four, team, four of those teams won more than 53 games. 27-18, four. 2016-17, three teams won more than 53 games. So it's actually not as common as you think to have a bunch of teams go into that 55 range. But I think we're both on the Warriors, and then I think we're both on two teams – in the middle tier, we, we both already hit on the Pelicans and the Raptors, right? Pelicans over 44 and a half, Raptors over 45 and a half. You like those? Yeah, I'm I'm with both of those. I wouldn't say Toronto was in my lock category, but they're probably like mm -hmm. five or six on my favorite uh, overs. Is there another over under that you really, really like? Sacramento 33 and a half over. Over. Okay. Sacramento has every reason to not tank this year. There's not a lot of teams that are going to go all in, in that middle, in that middle tier. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't hire Mike Brown to come into this situation and tank. He is a guy who, especially in year one, given health, um, he's going to come in and get the most out of the, his guys. I like the fit with, um, the different pieces on this roster. I think De'Aaron Fox, uh, Sabonis, I think they're going to have a lot to try to prove this year. Uh, Murray's fantastic in the early going. I love what I've seen from him. And I just think that when you talk about the the, the schedule and Wembenyama, I keep hitting this point, but 21 games against those dive five plus those middle tier teams. I think they have every incentive to arm up at the deadline uh, to get better, to punch that ticket because man, they are now the team with the longest playoff drought in the four major American sports. And so when you look at this situation, I think they're going to try to arm up rather than tank. And in that Western conference with every other game, basically in conference going to be an, uh, a W I like the Sacramento over 33 and a half. This feels dirty picking the Kangs to hit their over. <laughs> well, I'm about to go even dirtier because I have my first under and we're racing to the bottom. I've got the Thunder under 23 and a half wins. Yeah. They won 24 last year and God knows that Sam Hinkie has proven he will be as bold as he needs to be to lose. They already don't have Chet Holmgren. I don't even know what they're doing with Shea Gilgis Alexander. They are going to rest guys. They are going to play their young guys minimal minutes. They're going to throw God knows who on the floor. They're going to lose you know, more than 60 games. Give me the under 23 and a half wins for the Thunder. I like that. I mean, I think when you look at the roster, like imagine if they do get the alien Victor Wembanyama with Chet Holmgren and then three versatile. Yeah. And Poku. And Giddy, I mean, and Shea, yeah, yeah, and Shea. I mean, I don't know if Shea's gonna last, but <laughs> Shea's not gonna last on the Thunder, I should say. Well, what are you trying to tell us, Tom? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> I think what's interesting about the Thunder and the rest of the teams in the Dive Five, 
Yep. Is dive five catching? I thought about like the, the fail five or something so, like stop that. Stop trying to make dive five happen. <laughs> okay. It's not just about Victor Wembanyama. It's Scoot Henderson that I think most people, all, scouts would agree, he would be the number one pick if it weren't for Victor Wembanyama. It would be a huge number one pick. Like, yeah, do you like him that much or do you just like saying Scoot? Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good question. There, who is it? Uh, is it, does this fall under the the South Dakota State Jackrabbits? Big Scoot. <laughs> like if his name is Steve, it could be. You might just be falling in love with the name. I have no idea. I trust the scouts on this one. Uh-huh. And when I watched him, he looked awesome. He looked great in these in these games. And trusting the scouts and trusting what I've heard um, around the league, this is a two number one pick caliber draft. Now, if you think about it this way, if your consolation prize on not getting Wemby is another number one pick, you basically reverted the odds back to the pre-flattened odds. Because if you think about it this way, where if you have the number one seed on the draft lottery, you only have a 14% chance of getting the number one, but you still have about a 13% chance of getting number two. So combined, you have 27% chance at getting a number one pick. If you agree with the assessment that Scoot is a number one pick essentially. So now you're going to see teams essentially go from like nine in the draft lottery to try to get into that five. The fifth seed in that draft lottery has basically a one in five chance at getting either Scoot or Victor Wembanyama. So what I'm saying is this being a two person draft where you have two franchise changing players, I think you're going to see a lot of teams that are going to try to beat the thunder to get into that bottom five. And so the thunder are going to have a lot of competition to be the worst in that bottom group of four or five teams. So I think you're absolutely right. Shea Gilgis, Alexander bubble wrap. Giddy's going to play like 22 minutes a night. <laughs> Lou Dort. Lou Dort's going to be traded in five minutes. <laughs> like, I just think when you look at this team, I do like that under, I do like that under. And when you also look at the under, I've got three teams. All right. Portland, Dallas, and Phoenix. Who do you want to talk about first? Portland is interesting to me just because they did sort of try to gear up with Jeremy Grant. And there, there is there is a, a road to them being a pretty good team with a Lillard, Simons, Grant, Nurkic, Hart, Quintet. But I also totally see the downside. Dame coming off the abdominal injury. If something else happens with that, if he tweaks it again, or, you know, at age, what he's 32 now, he is kind of like an iron man for most of his career. He's played a ton of games. I mean, his first three years, he didn't miss a single game. When we see that sort of thing, we, we usually talk about, about durability, but the flip side of that is just a lot of miles on those tires. And if I'm Damian Lillard and I'm looking at this next phase of my career, do I want to gamble on my health and play through injuries when look, I don't know where we're going. What is the ceiling here? What am I pushing forward? They're on a tightrope. I would say the margin for them to contend versus completely fall apart is very thin. So I get it. And there's spare parts here. Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart. And I think Nurk is on a good contract for contending teams that they could do a fire sale. If something happens to Dame and these top heavy teams with a superstar like Damian Lillard, like Luka Doncic, I think they have a higher than 
average likelihood of going into the tank if something happens to Luca, if something happens to Dame, and that's why I'm I'm hitting that under on both of those teams. And Phoenix, just bad vibes. Bad vibes. I don't like that situation. You don't think that the clearing out of, of Sarver sort of is a refresher? No, because DeAndre Ayton, that situation is still very raw with Monty Williams, and I I... I'm the biggest Chris Paul fan on the planet, but he has been incredibly healthy the last couple of years. And at some point, like with LeBron James, at some point that's going to hit a wall. And I just see this season as being, you know, when a lot of things broke right for them over the last couple of years, I think this is going to be a tough year to match 52 and a half wins. And I think whatever happens, losing Jay Crowder really compromises their depth a little bit. So I'm not quite sure what they do off the bench right now. Okay. So I have Pelicans over 44 and a half golden state, 51 and a half Sacramento, 33 and a half unders Portland, 39 and a half Dallas, 48 and a half and Phoenix, 52 and a half and the thunder and the thunder. I've got a really fun thing just for you, just because of what you've been talking about with the dive five, which everybody's calling it now. Okay. Yeah. The favorite prop bet I saw on DraftKings. They have, you can bet on each, an over-under longest win streak for each team, okay? So I looked at the Spurs, and you can bet (laughs) on would the Spurs have a win streak over three and a half, and the odds are plus 160. Wow. Okay, so you're getting really good odds for them to win four games in a row. I take you to the Spurs schedule from the period of February 25th to March 14th. These are their games. So they've got to win four in a row. Okay. To win, okay. Okay. Which you wouldn't think is possible just looking at that team. But I give you this schedule stretch. At Utah. At Utah again. Home versus Indiana. Home versus Houston. At Houston. Home versus Denver. Home versus Oklahoma City. Home versus Orlando. If Pop and a bunch of young guys... Just by virtue of being pop, come together enough, you could rip off four games. There's, you know, maybe Denver's flat that one game and you take the two Houston games, Denver and OKC to finish it off. Maybe you sweep sweep Utah in Utah, take Indiana out and take Houston out to finish. I'm going to have to put some money here. Are you? Wow. So not only that in that stretch, but two games before the Utah doubleheader, they've got Charlotte. In Charlotte and at Dallas. Now, Luca looks great. <laughs> Eurobasket looked phenomenal. Right. But if he's hurt and if LaMelo's hurt, again, another top heavy team in Charlotte that could go real south real quickly. That stretch, Charlotte, Dallas, Utah, Utah, Indiana, Houston, Houston. That's six games that I think could be winnable for them. Do you think you, Peter, and I can each throw 20 bucks onto this and this can be our official underdogs? prop that we're going to watch throughout the entire season. I really like this idea. (laughs) I really like this idea. That is the most insane thing. Four games, the Spurs winning four games this season. We're hitting the over on that. Oh my God. Think of the night when they're sitting at three and we're glued to league pass watching them against Orlando. (laughs) Here's another stretch I'm looking at. Okay. All right. All right. Houston Pelicans, Orlando, Utah, OKC. The Pelicans game scares me. It messes the whole thing up. Who's on the back end? The Knicks. Oh, is it here? Is it here? <laughs> no, it's it's in San Antonio. Oh, my God, I would go. 
That's really fun. Um, the other one I wanted to hit real quick is the, the LeBron James. What day is he going to break the record? DraftKings, you can do this. Um, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record, which... Uh, he's a thousand three hundred twenty-five points away. If you do the math, he averages thirty points a game. It's maybe forty-three games into the season. Um, I think the sneaky bet here is that he doesn't break it at all this year. I think you're getting plus six hundred on LeBron James not getting it this season. I think there's a lot of hype and a lot of people wanting to see the, this season. I'm just going to be a hater and say there's value there at plus six hundred that LeBron does not get the record. How many points does he need? Thirteen hundred points. This year. So that's 40 games of 30 points a game. So if he plays 60 and averages 20 a game, it's hard to see. He's going to have to miss a lot of games for this not to hit. I know. I know. But I just at plus 600, I kind of feel like that's, you know, our emotions are playing with us and the Lakers fans where they set these lines, you know, that they're just there's so much money coming in on him hitting it that it, it, I just feel like if you fade Lakers. bets. Uh, I feel like you're in pretty good condition there. So um, I'm sorry, LeBron, but that's where I'm going on that one. What a season this is going to be. LeBron, the Spurs, <laughs> and tanking. And tanking. Yep. And Scoot Henderson being the <laughs> the jackrabbits of this season that people are just liking it because his name is Scoot. There you go. Pick any of those teams and their best player on those teams for an MVP lock. If you liked some of the rationale of our, our long shots this year, Zion, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards at plus 6,000. Like if you're going to pick one of these teams to have a, a, a really, really big over um, the Warriors again, just hit their MVP, hit the best player on that team for MVP um, so that you can double down on that long shot. And if you have a favorite underdog pick this year, hit us up on Twitter and Tom promises that he will respond to every tweet. So, you know, you yes. definitely want to do that. Yep. Yep, and definitely not my assistant. My daughter will be responding to you. I will definitely do it with my own two thumbs. There's no need to fear or quaver. Underdog is here to save her. Underdog. We have some NFL picks to get to. Let's jump right into it. Patrick Mahomes, Jordan, is an underdog at home, which is the first time in his career And Adam Schefter is reporting. I think it's the first time in, in his career that Adam Schefter has sent out a worthwhile tweet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went there. Pew, 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 pew. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Shefty, a guy who's been on the Haver Show podcast. Come on now. You can't be going after my guy. So, Look, he brings some information here that that I was not aware of. The fact that, I mean, he's had away dog games. Um, he's I looked this up on NBC Sports Edge, Jordan. Mm-hmm. He's six one and one against the spread as a road dog. Road dog Jesse James. Sorry, wow. that's a WWF reference. That just happened. Six and two straight up when he is a road underdog. Kind of feel like he shouldn't be a home dog in this game. Do you do you agree with the line right here? I do. Wow. I just am much more impressed right now with with Buffalo than what I've seen out of the Chiefs to this point, which is not to say I don't think the Chiefs can win, but two and a half feels about right for the Bills. And unfortunately, it's below three and a half, so we can't even touch this game in our in our competition. But speaking of the competition, guys, what are we doing without Peter this week? What's the game plan? Do we ask Mays to fill in here? Does does he even want this responsibility of taking over his team? Is that really fair to us that instead of having the luxury of picking against Peter this week, we actually have to now have someone who might know what he's doing in Maze? Don't worry, guys. Peter sent me 
some very detailed notes for his picks because he does have the first pick this week in the underdogs underdogs pick of the week but do we want to talk about how the jets are at three wins first and how they're don't i have them over five and a half i think i do you sure do you're about halfway there jordan whoa i'm halfway there hit that next note hit that next note Meanwhile, my number one pick, the Carolina Panthers have fired their coach. Yes. And it's funny that I'm talking about them because with the first pick (gasps) this week, no, Peter Keating has tossed aside his red hot jets. He's going with Carolina plus 10 and a half versus the Rams. These are Peter's notes. (laughs) Let me get my best NPK voice. If we believe it all in regression to the mean, firing a coach in season in the NFL is the lowest point to come back from. In the past 20 years, teams that switched coaches midseason were 27%, 37.6 against the spread, and then went 15 and 17 in their next games or 17 and 15 against the spread. That's right, over 50%. The Rams are still depleted and decimated on offense, so give me Mazes. Carolina Panthers with that big, juicy 10 and a half point line. Wow. You know what? I don't hate this because it's my hometown team. Um, and the fact that he's going to get some extra juice on this, which congratulations, Jordan. Last week, you picked the Giants at plus eight against the, the Packers in London town. And they came through for you. So it, it was our first three point victory in our underdog weekly underdog picks. So he's looking for another one. He's trying to ride the hot hand of the heavy dogs with this Panthers pick. Don't hate it. Well, I guess it's on to me. And, and since I've taken over first place on the strength of the Giants, uh, uh, damn it. How's it feel, Tom? I believe the official standings. I'm at 11. You're at 10. And Peter, what, seven? Bringing up the rear at seven, Maze. And it wasn't just seeing you surpass me in the standings. It was the fact that I didn't get any points this week and everyone got points except for me. So it was a really, really bad week for me. All right. Well, with my first pick this week, do I go back to the Giants? Well, no, I don't. I go back to Green Bay because I still don't think they're that good. (laughs) I may be forced to take them in my survival pool. But I am not taking them by seven points. So I will take the Jets plus seven at Lambeau in the spirit of Peter. That's just too big a spread. Oh, what's that? Oh, more notes for Peter. (laughs) The line opened huge at plus nine and a half to capture Jets money, which has worked 61% of bets, but not enough to close this gap from the Action Network. Only seven times in NFL history has a team returned home from Europe without a bye week. I don't know why they put Europe. It's only ever London. Every one of those teams was tied or trailing in the fourth quarter the following week. Jets point differential, minus two. Green Bay point differential, plus one. And the Jets defense is actually better after adjusting for strength of schedule. Cannot believe they can prevent a cover. And then he goes on to talk about how Elijah Moore hasn't broken out yet. I don't know how that (laughs) factors in here. (laughs) I think he's calling the Elijah Moore breakout this week, folks. There's nothing about the Packers that has impressed me this year. Again, I may have to take them in survival, but I love the Jets plus seven here. I wish I'd gotten them earlier at the at the opening line, but plus seven is good enough for me. Lock it in. 
Do you think Peter's doing more work when he's on the road, when he's on vacation? This is some pretty heavy analysis he's bringing to the table. It's falling off a cliff right now. This is the end of his analysis. Whatever pick <laughs> he has to make last, I will not have notes. I'll have to freestyle it. So did he think he was going to get both of these teams? Was that was that his game plan? I don't know because he had the number one pick. So right. I don't know why he prepared <laughs> notes for two. Not totally sure about that. Uh, all right, Tom, you're back to back. Okay. I've got in the last two seasons, a team has gone 17 and six against the spread 17 and six, 74% hit rate. It's your Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Dallas plus six at Philadelphia. I already faded the, the Eagles for one of these games. I think I collected some, some points on that. Um, Dallas plus six at Philadelphia. They're going on the road. You'd think that being a road dog would, would really upset me here and, and make me try to stay away. But this season, uh, away dogs, are actually 28 and 18 and one 61% against the spread. It's not quite enough of a spread uh, heavy enough for me to get that extra point boost if they pull off the victory. But I still think that Dallas Philly, this is not a six point difference between these two teams. That's a Danny Sheridan move. If I've ever heard one, Tom, you're not worried about potentially Dak back hurting them with a busted hand versus Cooper rush controversy any of that clouding your judgment no tony pollard's back and i think they're going to give him the ball like 30 times this game and zeke's done um and we just saw it last week i kind of feel like that changeover is about to happen so who cares when tony pollard's on the field and doing the things he does i'm going with dallas at plus six and then my other pick let's go giants plus five maybe i'm buying into jordan's theory that you just have to fake it till you make it and then you're good and the Giants, they proved me wrong last week going into London and getting that W. Um, and it's not an especially long trip uh, going from London to New York at home against Baltimore plus five. I don't think this team should be a home dog by five points against Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson wasn't great last week. Um, we'll see how their wide receiver core comes together here. I like the Giants plus five. You got Wink Martindale revenge game. Plotting against his old team. I'll be I'll be in the stands, by the way, going nuts. That's that's worth at least a half a point to the Giants. Are you gonna boo the Giants at your team? I never because boo. I picked them here. I will be waving a blue flag. I am enjoying this as long as it lasts. Just probably is just this week, but four and one is all kinds of fun. Just for an update. So Peter's power rankings here out of the eight eligible games, the Cowboys, Eagles was seventh mm. and giants Ravens was fifth. So my third and fourth highest choices for Peter are still on the board with Jordan left. Well, I'm going to take one of them. I am going to go with the feisty Falcons. Feisty. That's just the best word to describe them this year. There's really not so much to love about them, but they fight. They're in every game. Look, the 49ers are a very good team, but they're going on the road. West Coast to East Coast. They're living large right now. It feels like a bit of a letdown spot, and I could see the Falcons keeping this thing close, maybe even a backdoor cover at the end. It's not that I, I think the Falcons will win, but getting five and a half, I feel good enough about it. Falcons plus five and a half. That was Peter's third pick, which leaves oh, him. Oh, wow. Nice job, Jordan. With Pittsburgh 
plus eight versus Tampa Bay, despite getting smacked by 35 points last week by the Bills. Tom's number one pick. Whoops. Peter's not scared of this. He's going with Pickett to Pickens for his pick. Oh, very good. For the man who loves the pun, you you filled in well. You know what? Is he the first person to get double juiced picks here? First person to go for it. <laughs> I wouldn't give it to him just yet. I think I've gone for one eat every week except for this one. Um, so he's going for both of them. Going for broke. It's bold strategy, Cotton. All right, so you're up 11 to 10 to 7. Maze, how do you feel about Peter's picks? Like, honest to God, your picks might have been different if you were actually having your agency. I mean, the Panthers, (laughs) my lovely Panthers, as I continue to say, there's nowhere to go but up. Baker's out. He's injured. Coach is fired. The Rams offense looks terrible. The Rams don't look good. I mean, there's that. And the Panthers still have a good defense and the Rams have no offensive line. Why not? Why not go with the Panthers? Number one again, I'm sure they can get within 10 points. All right. I think we did pretty good here. Peter, his analysis was really sharp. I'm curious to hear what his NBA picks that we had here. And we'll, we'll find out next week what he thought. Um, but that's our NBA preview. That's our NFL picks for the week and for the season long dog picks. Um, yeah, the jets, the jets looks great. Look great right now. Um, Panthers, Falcons, Lions, Seahawks, Jets, Bears, Jaguars, Texans. I don't know who had Geno Smith MVP odds in this group, but we slept on Geno. Let's see what happens here going forward. Peters, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, wait, forgot to mention Texans. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. How do you feel about the Texans beating your Jaguars? Why against my own team? They chose this game. They got a tie in week one. They lost by a touchdown in week two. I mean, come on. Remember when the Jaguars won by 28 points in week three and we were ready to say they were good? Remember when the Texans knocked out the Jaguars and eliminated my other survival pool entry? Because that was fun. Mm. Sorry about that. Who do the Texans have this week? They're playing by. Are they on a bye? So I I don't know who will win that. (laughs) It's another tie for them. (laughs) Another tie. All right. We got to tie this up. Oh! How about that? Wrap this pod up. We got to tie it up. Is that a good Peter reaction? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Until next time, thank you for joining us on the show today. We didn't have a guest, but uh, Raybon, I'm sure, did a great job last week again on his picks. We will see you next week on the Underdogs Podcast. Go hit us up with your favorite NBA picks at Tom Haverstrow, at Jordan Brenner, at Peter Keating, NJ, not MJ. And thank you, as always, to our producer, Anthony Mays, for not only cutting this episode up, but doing his best Peter Keating impression. Bravo. Bravo.